Hey everyone, Kyle here. Just uh, before we get into the second inter- uh, part of our interview with Norman England, uh, first of all, thanks to everyone who had nice things to say about part one and for the continued support. A couple reminders that I want to put out there. We do have our uh, Godzilla movie ranking poll on our Facebook page. Uh, So if you haven't done that, go out and do that, and we will discuss the results of that little experiment on a future episode. We haven't come up with a cutoff date quite yet, but it'll probably be in mid to late February. Also, uh, one last reminder uh, that January 29th at 2 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Mountain, 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, Matt and I will be taking part in the live KaijuCast emergency broadcast. This is the sixth year in a row that they've done this. There will be special guests. They'll also well, they'll have uh, Sean Lincoln back, uh, who did the Godzilla Collectors book, The Art of Japanese Monsters. Also, Ed G. and Steve Rifle, who've done plenty of uh, awesome stuff. They both wrote great books on Godzilla, and were behind the special features on the classic media releases, as well as um, writing and uh, producing Norman's documentary, Bring Godzilla Down to Size. They'll be on there at some point. There will be prizes, and you can find the link to that on our Facebook and also the KaijuCast Facebook. And if you are one of the people who is downloading, listening to this episode after January 29th, 2017, um, keep your eyes on the KaijuCast podcast for uh, when they end up uploading it uh, as a podcast that you can listen to later. Um, So in the meantime... uh, Hang out and uh, listen to the rest of this interview with Norman. I will say, kind of how the last episode ended a little bit abruptly, this one begins kind of abruptly. Um, that's all part of a result of Norman being such a great storyteller and having to present this in two parts, is trying to kind of find a way to begin and end these parts naturally. So forgive that, uh, and um, yeah, enjoy the rest of the interview. Thanks. I do subtitles for a company called Showgate, and what are, I just finished doing a film subtitling for them. I'm working on a couple of things for them right now, but you know, recently Japanese movies are not really selling like they used to be because they're not that interesting anymore. You know, it's a big a lot of trouble in in the Japanese um, live action stuff. So. After we finish the subtitling session, I'm talking to my my managers there, and I'm like, you know, so what's going on? 
And they're like, oh, we're not really selling stuff. You know, I'm like, well, what's selling? They're like anime. And I'm like, give me the work. They're like, oh, are you interested in anime? And I said, no, I'm interested in working. <laughs> you know, and so they had like associated me with a certain type of film. Right. OK. Like I did that uh, Chimamure Chainsaw Girl movie, if you know that thing that yeah. came out. That was painful, like Sushi Typhoon ripoff. Yeah, there and, were a lot of those. Um... Which is why sometimes, like, I work a lot at Nikatsu, mostly these days doing subtitling. But they always give me their, like, I'm doing a Yakuza movie. I should be doing that right now. My deadline's tomorrow. That's <laughs> fine. Um, I'm almost done with it. Anyway, I'm doing the Yakuza movie, and it's just cursing wall to wall. You know, cursing. Yeah. So... I always do stuff like that for, for Nikatsu because they own, you know, Norman's this weirdo from New York and he likes all these kinds of movies. And, you know, they know me also from the Sushi Typhoon days and stuff like that. So I do, I'm doing this, uh, uh, if, if, if you know Chiba over at uh, Yoshinori Chiba at Nikatsu, he's really into true crime stuff. Okay. And he got the cold fish thing going. Ah, love cold fish. Which I said, Yoshiki wrote the script for that. Yeah. And um, I got into Sushi Typhoon just when that was finished. Okay. So I didn't subtitle that. Another guy subtitled that. And um, yeah, Chiba did uh, Kyoaku, Devil's Path, if you know that film. That's also very good. That's another true crime story. And I guess he's trying to do a little like a uh, Japanese do not like to air their dirty laundry, if you know what I'm saying. They, they, they try to keep their scandals like in the family. So it's very different from America where we're always looking to expose corruption and things like this. Jap Japan still has this, they call it like a village mentality. So even if it it's people you don't know, like uh, people feel that they, they don't want to know and they don't want to uh, hurt their institutions and stuff but chiba does kind of like the the cold fish thing is based on a true crime story but anyway and then he did uh, the devil's path which is an excellent film i did the subtitles for and i titled that because in oh, that the devil's path the japanese is kyoaku which, which means vicious criminal Okay. And the original title for it was Vicious Criminal. And me and Chiba were going to the set one day. Chiba's like, Norman, you got to come up with a better title. And he goes, I don't speak English, but I know that title's no good. And I'm like, yeah, vicious, The Vicious Criminal. It's not The Vicious Criminals. <laughs> no, that's not really work. In, in Japanese, it's got impact, kyoaku. The kanji are really cool. It's just two kanji. So, I, yeah, I had to change that later. But that was based on... Um, there's a thing, and Japanese don't like to talk about it, but a lot of suicide in Japan. Mm -hmm. Japanese Didn't. kill themselves, but a lot of suicide in Japan is actually murder, disguised as suicide. And then the, if you can make it look like suicide, the police will just like, okay, just another suicide victim. There's like no autopsies done in Japan. It's like 98, like 2% of the deaths are given autopsies in Japan. So literally, you can really get away with murder in Japan. Oh, wow. Um, so 
Chiwaku is about guy people who have like old people in their family take out insurance policies on them, then hire Yakuza to kill them. You know, and this is actually something that goes on in Japan. So that's what Kyoaku was like trying to expose that. But anyway, so they hire me a lot when like Chiba's got these films or like their new pink movies that came out. Um, you know what pink movies are, right? A Roman porno. That's like erotica, so, but like yeah, erotic. Yeah. There you go. Uh, and I subtitled uh, two of those. They made six of them. I mean, I, I teach. I do kind of a lecturing at a course given over in Kanda. I'm saying these names like I'm sure you guys have no idea the layout of Tokyo, but no. and, 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 <laughs> and like the other side of Tokyo, I, I do. I, I go in. I guess people learn about translating for like the for media, and one of their one of the assignments is motion pictures subtitling. You know, when I started subtitling, I only started subtitling. Well, I did my own movie, The Idol. I subtitled that. I had no idea um, how to subtitle, but I did that. And they're atrocious the subtitles. <laughs> and then Nishimura. You know, from Tokyo Gore Police, he did a movie called uh, Vampire Girl versus Frankenstein Girl. I love that movie, by the way. Is that pretty good? I like that movie a lot. And he was like, Norman, subtitle this. And I said, what the fuck do I know about subtitling? He goes, I want you to, you're a writer, right? So write. I mean, that's how Nishimura's personality is. I mean, he's a very blunt person. Um, yeah, everything was in post-production. So I would work like me and Nishimura on final cut like i had to retime it like cut things that's what i'm saying like let's say i have a subtitle it's like five seconds long and i have all the text there and it's like you read it but it's not really in time with what's happening on the screen because one of the things i always try to do with subtitles is i try to match it up to what's going on the screen so you can as close as you know possible have the same movie experience as a Japanese right. you know, and that it takes a lot of work to do, you know, and the other thing is also, I mean, I, I teach this in class. I mean, nothing's worse than th the greatest sin for subtitling is not being able to finish a sub. You know how annoying that is. I'm sure. Yeah. You have to go yeah. back and rewind and pop. <laughs> Reading paragraphs of text is the worst. Yeah, no, I, I mean, and, and that's from crappy writing. But so going in there and finding out, you know, what words serve a purpose, what words don't serve a purpose, you know, because you really you might have like you got three seconds, especially like this Yakuza film. I'm doing these people speak so fast and they speak so slangy. Um, and one of the things with like Japanese slang is you, you lose all your particles. You lose all your particles and um, you don't have a subject you know, so it's really you're just saying like adjectives and verbs. And it makes for a lot of content in a very short amount of time. And for me, and, and then I have to like stare at my computer screen as I try to. Like a puzzle, if you can understand what I'm saying, like, how can I fit this in? How can I get all the ideas in in a natural way that's exciting to read? And that's what makes subtitling very difficult, you know. It's 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 uh it's like haiku in a way, which you have very strict rules. 
Um, well, I, I, since we're talking about film sets and subtitling, um, I think that would be a nice segue to actually get into the Sushi Typhoon days, because uh, my, myself and uh, my friend Trevor, like, we were eating those up as they were coming out, and then they just kind of, like, stopped. So what were your experiences working on those films? And, I mean, is it different than working on, you know, a Godzilla film? How did I, what is the first? First film I did, like I got, I became friends with Yoshiki. Oh, I was on the set of Zaboga. Okay. And I met Yoshiki. <laughs> anyway, Yoshiki did all the posters and okay. title designs and stuff. He did the like Tokyo Gore Police poster and he did the poster for Coldfish, his own movie and stuff. So I guess the first, okay, the first film I did for them was Mutant. Girls, Mutant Girl Squad, yep. Mutant Girl Squad. I, that was my first Sushi Typhoon one. I mean, basically, Sushi Typhoon came about because of this producer I said before, Chiba. He sold his boss on the idea that he could take the budget for one normal movie and make six like B-movies out of it. So his boss was like, sure, sounds, you know, sounds like a deal to me. So that's how, I mean, all these movies had, you know, uh, a couple weeks shooting, very low budget. Um, so, yeah, I got in on the um, subtitling of those, and I didn't do stills on anything. Did you see Helldriver? Helldriver is one that I haven't seen. Trev has the DVD. Um, I need to see Helldriver. I need to see Dead Sushi. Okay, um, that's not uh, that's not Sushi Typhoon. Okay, Dead it's the same. It's the typhoon. same like group. Well, of guys, it's right? uh, uh, Iguchi. I mean, that's yeah. his. Yeah. It's yeah, it's all the same people, you know. But that was like I think in France, it the like I've I've seen because Dead Sushi. I did the stills and the subtitles on that, so. I'm always like curious to look at the packaging from different countries because it uses my my photos on them. I think it's Australian and France that says like Sushi Typhoon on it, you know, which is completely wrong. It's yeah. not even at Nikatsu Film or anything. So that's okay, completely wrong on that. But um, yeah, I think Hell Driver and Alien versus Ninja are the only ones I haven't watched. Same. Right, Alien versus Ninja. I couldn't make it through that one. <laughs> sorry, sorry to say that. I didn't. I didn't do anything on that. So I mean, I'm friends with uh, Mimoto, the the main guy on that. Yeah, he's actually. You haven't seen Mike's uh, uh, Yakuza Apocalypse, but he's the frog. Okay. Well, guy. no, I actually, I actually was saving Yakuza Apocalypse because that was like one of my favorite movies that I saw. Well, it came out last year. It came out here last year. And I did right. see your name in the credits. Um, did you? Did you? Uh, I guess switching gears from Sushi Typhoon real quick. Did you? Um, did you get to meet Takashi Miike at all? Yeah, I, I'm on. I no, I I did all the English dialogue on that okay. film. Yeah, what so, like what is Miike like? Like, is he as eccentric in real life as he is? Well, like, I don't. Well, I, I guess you didn't see my Fangoria piece. That was my last Fangoria piece, which I don't even have a copy of. They didn't send it, send me a copy, and it doesn't look like I ever will. But, um, no, I, I wrote about that. I mean, in 
for my 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 probably final Fangoria piece um, last year, I guess. But I mean, basically, yeah, no, Mike. I mean, Chiba is the one, the producer. There's another producer on the film. Um, he said to me, and this is where I became aware. Oh, when they go to to get sushi, you know, those conveyor belt sushi things that Miike will order through him. He's, he's too shy to order, um, directly, you know, and that was the thing that I realized, you know, I mean, he's just a movie guy. Yeah. And he really just likes being on the set and he, I mean, he's a very smart guy. He's a very nice guy. I don't know him that well. I mean, I didn't, he's not really, I wouldn't say he's like, Sometimes I go on the set and, you know, because I'm a foreigner, like the director will like want to talk to me or or something. Miki was one of the guys like, you know, um, thank you. You know, let's do a good job. And that's it. Okay. You know, and it's very different from other directors, but he's very warm and friendly, you know. So he, he, he kind of only looks like from my my experience on the set. Because I was there only when there was English dialogue. Okay, and you. you know, so it was like, what did you help coach people on? So I had I, originally I had to translate the script before the movie was shot, and they kept on rewriting it and rewriting it. It was a, a, a very involved process. I think for insurance purposes they needed a an English version of it, and there's also English dialogue in it. So all the dialogue, when I got the script, the dialogue's all written in Japanese. So I have to just write it in English. Okay. And then when, then when they hired, they hired Yayan from The Raid in Episode 7. He plays a character in Episode 7. Yeah, yeah. He was a mad dog in The Raid. Right, right. So they got Yayan, and then they got this other guy, um, uh, Tay, um, Japanese... I think he's he's half Japanese, half uh, Taiwanese, if if I remember right. A real nice guy. I like him a lot. And I guess he had written on his thing like he he, he can speak English. Well, he really can't speak English. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think he lived in L.A. for like a year or something like that. So one of the, and why I'm saying this was, you know, I'm not really I don't do speech coaching, but I have done it. I'll do anything. Really. You pay me. I'll do anything on a movie thing. So they, they were like, Norman, can you do this? You know, because we, we, we think it's important. Um, like if you look at Shin Godzilla, there's absolutely no speech coaching going on as far as I can tell, you know, I, I really couldn't imagine. I mean, I know people, I mean, even Scott, you know, Scott offered to do it, you know, and I mean, I would have done the job on Shin Godzilla because work is work. But no one, no one asked me, and I didn't really, you know, stick my hand up or anything. I know Scott seemed to want to do something on the film, you know. And when I saw the film, I was like, man, they couldn't have just given the guy. And you, you're, we're referring to Robert Scott Field, correct? Robert Scott, yeah. right, right, right. You know, so I, I kind of thought that was weird. But so one of the things, you know, why I'm saying this is, like, I write the dialogue. This is what I want them to say, but can they really say it? You know. Mm-hmm. So I have to also I had to work with the guys, go over every line, figure out what they can actually say naturally while they're also acting, you know. So that was certain. You know, I had to like adjust every line to 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 match these guys stuff. And Yayan was like so funny. Um, 
you've seen the raid. I mean, he's such a despicable character mm-hmm. in the raid. And the guy is like the sweetest yeah. man you ever <laughs> want to meet. You know, I mean, this guy's a friggin' badass, but he's always like, he does those like Asian things. He puts his hands together in front of you. Oh, thank you very much. He, you know, always so humble guy. I mean, everybody loved working with this guy. You know, he's a small guy. He's just so dynamic. He was really a lot of fun. Yeah, he's um, always terrifying. <laughs> in everything. Yeah, right? No, he's great. No, and I have to say, like, the I even, I saw Chiba, the producer, the other day. I was like, don't you have another job like Yakuza Apocalypse? I really liked working on that movie. <laughs> I mean, that movie was really, oh, actually, The Frog. Okay, here's the thing. Uh, um, the Frog is amazing. The Frog is the, the, still my banner picture on facebook right right the the frog um final version okay the guy who made that um Hyakutake, he sculpted the tail on shin godzilla the okay i saw him the other day i didn't know that he had done he's an amazing artist i've worked with him a couple times or and i met him like on the shingeki set the attack on titan set he did a lot of the uh, the creatures on that you know okay. the titans on that and stuff no his his work is fantastic I, I love his work so much and that shin godzilla tale is actually really quite you know a work of art i mean i thought it was cg when i saw it you mm-hmm. know and then when i saw the photos that came up and then i i saw him and we were talking about the film and he was like, uh, he was like, oh, my wife hated the movie. <laughs> and then I talked to his wife and she's like, he go, I told him my feelings about it being a propaganda film. He's like, you got to talk to my wife because she's on the same page as you are. <laughs> um, but anyway, no, he's a, he's a fantastic artist. And he did. I met him on that set because he was doing the frog, the frog head thing. Yeah. You know, that movie actually didn't do that well. And. You know, I, it, for me, it was, I think it was disappointing for everybody because, you know, the movie was very original. You know, the movie did all the things, you know, that people say movies aren't doing these days. Yeah. But it was still rejected. I remember Mike saying, uh, at least creatively, that it, that movie was kind of his response to what he said, uh, Japanese cinema getting what he called boring. Right, 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 right. And but yeah, no, I mean, I love that movie. I just, I after it was done, I just was amazed. <laughs> Matt, Matt's just kind of now dipping his toe into Mike, but yeah, Yakuza Apocalypse is is up no, there. I I found it was like Mike, but without the uh, overt violence, you know, and and not having like. You know, what is it in like Itchy the Killer and like a girl's like they're trying to have sex with a dog or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you know? I think that was Dead or Alive. But yeah, that it's it's oh, less was that Dead um, or Alive? Yeah, it's it's less gratuitous. Um but but yeah, still very much his sensibilities. Right, right, right. No, and you know, watching him work, you know, watching him work, I was like, Oh man, I could never do this. <laughs> you know, I mean this guy's like you know, this guy's a director. And he makes, like, five movies a year. It's Well, he crazy. doesn't do that anymore. Yeah, but. he's slowed down, but, geez, he was really cranking them out yeah. for a long and, time. Yeah, and, I mean, this is the thing. I mean, this is actually what I wrote in Fangoria. I figured it out. It's when he's happiest. 
You know, he just likes directing. And I actually spoke to Kaneko about this. He goes, me too. If I could direct every day, if I could wake up, direct, go to sleep, wake up, direct, my life is perfect. I mean, there are some directors that just, they like directing. You know, I realized watching Mike, like at the, near the ending, one of the guys gets shot up. Mike is the guy pulling the trigger off on the side of the camera with this huge smile on his face. <laughs> bang, 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 bang. You know, I'm like, this guy is happy. I'm looking at a happy human being here. You know, I'm just like, oh man. But I learned early in the film, like not to overstep my, my boundaries on that movie. Because like I said before, I, I'm very talkative and I, I, I chit chat with everybody. You know, I make inappropriate jokes all the time, you know, whatever. Um, but I so it's, my first day on the set is that basement scene with all the the Yakuza guys knitting in the basement. Bird, you know what I'm talking oh, yeah. about, right? Is that the scene when the the Kappa... Like yeah, 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 yeah. Because <laughs> when you know, when I got it, I got to tell you when that Kappa walked in and interrupted that meeting, I I about lost it. <laughs> no, it's great. I mean, it's completely over the top and stuff. So, um, that was my first day. You know, the whole like when he kills everybody with a baseball bat and stuff. Yeah, like that. sounds amazing. And, oh man, no, you it's got great. It, you got it's, it. I love it. But you know, okay, so you know when they're um, the uh, Tayson is coming down. Tay is the guy with the coffin on his back. Yeah, right with a weird gun. He's got that weird gun, uh, the Django type guy, yeah, whatever. Yeah. He so he's coming down with uh, you know originally they call it Kaeru Kun because that's Japanese. Originally in the script, I titled I named him Frogger, <laughs> and I really wanted to call him Frogger. But they, Miki wanted to keep it with the Japanese name Kairu-kun. So he's walking down with uh, Kairu-kun down the stairs. He's like, watch your feet. Watch your step. Careful. <laughs> oh, careful. Oh, yeah. That, you that know, part that is thing. great. So then when they finish it up, they both walk up the steps. So I'm sitting there next to Miki and I go, hey, how about this? Why doesn't he do the same thing? Like walking up the steps, careful. He just like killed everybody. And then he's back to being like this. And Mike looked at me and goes, no, I don't think so. <laughs> and I said to myself, you know, I should keep my ideas to myself from this point <laughs> on. <laughs> you know, because I'll do that. Like I'll say to Kaneko, how about this? And he'll go, oh, yeah, that's good. And then he'll do it. Um, however, I do want to say my bragging point on that film is the Yayan's last line when you go, when, you know, before they have the, the big fight at the end. Yeah. Yayan's last shot of him delivering that line. I directed that shot. So <laughs> Mika didn't, didn't, he was just like, cause it, this is what it was doing. Like the speech coaching was, um, you know, you go up or you do, you, you know, I, I work with these guys Okay, we're ready. I mean, and because the pronunciation is god awful. I mean, I don't think it's great in the film, but you can't imagine what it would have been like if I hadn't been there. Mm -hmm. So they, um, you know, do I, I sit on those things? I sit next to Mike in front of the monitor. Um, they do the scene. Mike is ready to call cut. Looks at me. Doesn't say anything. He'll just look at me. Like, and the look is like, well, 
And I would either go like, okay, if I say, for example, if I say, okay, okay, then he goes, hi, cut, you know, and then next thing he doesn't look at me. And then I just, I'm not involved in the next shot. I just walk away, you know, but whenever it's like, so the English things, I have to sit there with him on those. But then I, if I say it's no good, then I have to rush on to the set and say, okay, like this, like this, this is the thing, you know, say it like this. This is the emphasis. All right. All right. All right. And we did one thing like six times and we couldn't get it right. And then Mike was finally like, we'll fix it in the, 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 the mix, you know, and which we didn't do. But when I saw the final film, it looked good. It was a difficult shot because it was like he, the camera moved and he had to say a certain word at a certain point, you know, that was timed with the camera movement. So either the actor would flub the English or yeah. Something like that. And then finally, I mean, that's the thing to completely jump all over the place. Like Japanese movies usually don't make take more than three, three takes. And I worked on this U.S. film last year, which still hasn't come out. No take was less than 10. And it completely drove the, the Japanese staff up the wall. Like the director would be, oh, my God, that was perfect. I can't imagine it being any better than that. Let's do it one more time. <laughs> you know, and, and the crew is like, what? For me, one of the things was Mike was a guy I also I always wanted to work with. Um, unfortunately for me, uh, one of my friends is like the Mike guy. And he does all his his stuff. If you know what I mean, like the yeah. speech coaching and the translation. Nikatsu asked for me. Because Nikatsu has a relationship with me. I'm drinking coffee right now. Um, <laughs> so Nikkei said to them, oh, I've got my own guy. And then Nikatsu was like, oh, you know, Norman is our guy and he's really good. And we think you're going to like him and you'll be satisfied with the results. And he was like, OK, that's fine. I mean, it happens. I mean, you don't yeah. always like Kaneko's doing some movies now. I'm not working on them. I mean, that happens and you can't. Um, that's one thing I've learned in the business. You know, you can't take those things personally. Yeah, I guess circling back, like what happened to Sushi Typhoon? Why? Well, OK, did it, like, OK, flame out? well, sushi t- well, there's there's a word flame out. It didn't really necessarily end. I mean, it's all up to Chiba. And, and, and when I say it's up to Chiba. It's up to his bosses giving him, you know, the go. You know, a lot of times like these, um, they call them shine producers, which means like in-house producers. And they come up with projects to do. You know, so uh, Chiba has to come up with movies that will make money so he can stay employed. And I think the Sushi Typhoon films did okay. I mean, they were so low budget to begin with, but they were never like really that popular. I mean, you could ask someone on the street yeah. like Sushi Typhoon, and they they won't know what you're talking about. Right. Um, even something like maybe the most successful one was Zaboga, which was a like the adaptation of a, fran- a pre-existing property. Right. 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 I don't know how that came about, but... I think yeah, my but, least I mean, favorite it, movie you worked on was Zombie Ass. Oh, right. <laughs> I wasn't too into that one. Yeah, a lot of people don't like that. And actually, I mean, 
I mean, doing the subtitles, I had a good time with it. You know, I only went on the set on the last day. Uh, I wanted to talk to a Sami okay. that day. And I wanted, to, I was thinking to do a Fangoria story. So I brought my camera and I went by. And also just to say hi to everybody. Like I do that, like, because I feel it's important when I do subtitles to understand the effort that was put in. Yeah. If you understand what I mean, like, and I was actually saying this last night with Kaneko and stuff, because Kaneko accuses me of being too hard on movies. And I think you accused me of that. I think everyone has probably accused you of that at some point. I know. But the thing is, is I will criticize the film, but I will not criticize the effort. If you understand what I'm saying. You know, that makes and that's something that I read about, uh, like, you know, when I started filmmaking, deciding to do filmmaking was I read a bunch of books on filmmaking. And one said um, it's like a Hollywood phrase like it's as difficult to make a bad movie as it is to make a good movie well they always say it's a miracle that a movie can even get any movie gets made well i don't i mean no you have no i'd say that i don't believe because you have to make movies because if you don't make movies the studio has no product yeah so the studios have to make movies whether they like it or not or they just close their doors so something's got to get greenlit and I guess your your option, what you're what you're saying, referring to is to try. It's a miracle to become one of those greenlit movies. Yeah, right. Yeah. If, if you understand what I mean. So, I mean, it's the same thing in Japan. I mean, you know, the the problem in Japanese movies right now is they just keep driving the budgets lower and lower. You know, that's one of the reasons I'm not making I'm not directing anything myself these days, because that's about the only type of budget anyone would give a guy like me. You know, and if I made a movie in five days, people would be Norman sucks as a director when mm-hmm. it's very unfair. You know, here we're talking about Kubrick was at 440 something days for Eyes Wide Shut, you know, or on like The Shining. He would do stuff like I'm just playing chess with a crewman today. We're not shooting anything. You know, I mean, just doing like no one can do stuff like that. You know, I mean, the world has really changed a lot. I was talking to someone the the other day about um, about fear and loathing in Las Vegas. Uh, Hunter Thompson, you know, we were like, man, that guy had an expense account. <laughs> you know, what is an expense account for a writer, a reporter? You know, I mean, it just doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Um, I don't think I have this conceit that I'm like this awesome filmmaker or, you know, you know, the second coming of uh, Bernard Shaw or something like that, where I do see some young people that are really like so taken with themselves because they they can shoot something. So like, I haven't really shot anything since my last film, New Neighbor, which is supposedly coming out. By this company, Midori, Midori Impulse, if you know them, they're a German label. Okay. They've got my film back on their catalog this year with the idol, like a double feature disc. They make these things called media books. So I've been, uh, I put together a making of for both those films recently. And I guess I'll let you know. You'll see that on on my Facebook when that's. All right. I, I've finished. been hearing about the idol forever, and 
uh, new neighbor. Is that a feature or is that a short film? They're both they're they're, they're both semi features. Okay, okay, and um, Which the worst thing I could do, and they're probably right. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's it, good. It, you know, would, would you consider directing like? Say just out of the blue, someone asks you to direct a feature-length movie. Like, is that something you would want to do, or do you feel like directing is just kind of something you tr- you, you did and you want to do other things? Well, no, I, I definitely would want to do that, but it, it's what I'm saying. I mean, what what kind of budget would I be gi- given? What kind of freedom would I have? Yeah. What kind of story would I be, be able to tell? you know, within these limits, because a lot of Japanese movies these days are just people in a room talking or people standing on the street talking. Yeah. OK. You know, if you, you know, and, and it's like I don't really have so a you lot. Wouldn't, of you wouldn't do it just to do it. No, I wouldn't do it just to do it. Let me say that. And that and there are people out there who just want to be I want to be a director, Yeah. you know, and you that's what they're, they're taking these jobs with five days, you know, and some of these things are just they don't have the talent. You know, I think a lot of and I'm not saying like I'm a great director or anything like that, but I think a lot of people with the integrity to be a good director are just not doing it because the business in Japan is not supporting itself properly anymore. So they're just uh, attracting these kind of is this the right way to use this bottom feeders, you know, people that are really they just want to do it, you know, And, and like one film that I worked on, I did subs on was rejected by Nikatsu, and we had a little talk about it, and it was just like, this is complete garbage. But another company picked it up, and they put it out. And I mean, I watched it, I was like, who in their right mind, you know, would shoot a film this way? um, So, so like, as... Does that make any sense to you? Oh, no, it it makes absolute sense, because... That's the best explanation for why a lot of that stuff is the way it is. Have you ever experienced any uh, backlash or anything, either from you know a fandom or even working as a critic, based on the fact that you're not Japanese? Well, I remember back in the old BBS things, some people were upset. They were upset also because Kaneko was directing, guys were writing stuff like the camera director should not be allowed to direct Godzilla. And then other people were writing like foreigners should not be allowed on the Godzilla set. And one of the stories actually in my book, um, one, there was another reporter on the GMK set and he is the, the enemy in my book. And I, and we actually work sometimes for the same publication and my, the big, editor at Egahiho. Egahiho is like part of a publishing company and my my books are coming out through Egahiho. I'm working on three books this year, but the other this other guy who was a reporter on GMK, like me and him were the two main reporters on that. Um, he was a dick to me throughout the whole thing, GMK. So when I did my my diary book, I just kept it all in there. And I when I sent the manuscript to my editor, I said, oh, you know, this guy, he's in my book. And I really kind of like, you know, really kind of make fun of this guy throughout the whole thing. He goes, oh, okay. Should I like change his name or put like XXX instead of his name? He goes, I'm going to ask him. 
So he, he, he contacted him. The guy said, yeah, it's fine. I don't care, which is really great. But I mean, the, this, is, this is one of the things, like, this is what this guy did. His, his attitude wasn't so much like foreigners are no good. Um, it came more from like a reporter rivalry, you know, because the two of us were like the main guys on GMK. And um, I spent most of my time was with uh, Nakao, the still cameraman who retired on GMK. He was he started with King Kong versus Godzilla. I believe that's the one he started with. Um, and Nako was like, I mean, he, my book is dedicated to him. I mean, he died like two years ago, which I didn't realize at the time. And I, it was pretty upsetting to me. I mean, especially like going over the my notes and things and like Nako just all he taught me how to take photos basically on the Kaiju set and stuff. So one day. We're on the set, and this guy, his name's Saito, is this other reporter. I can say his name because it's going to be in my book. But Saito, he's got one of those gachapon things. You know what those are? Yeah. You know, those uh, uh, gumball machine things. And it's some, like, Tsuburaya Kaiju. And he hold, he had put it together, and he holds it up to me. He goes, Norman, you know what this is? You know what this is? You don't know what this is. I'll tell you what this, this is the heart of Japanese special effects. Of course, you don't know what this is. And, uh, you know, then he went to like the toilet or something like that. And me and Nakano, we, Nako, we looked at each other. We just started cracking up. We took the thing apart and I stuck like the head on the ass in Nakano <laughs> sticking. Like we put it all in like, in, and Saito comes back to Nako's station in Studio 9 and he he looks at this thing. He's just like devastated. And the two of us, just with our arms folded, we're like looking up at the ceiling, snickering, you know, but it was like, you know, and I, I've actually used this episode in, in other of my writings to point things out. It was like, I would never say to somebody, RTD2? As, an, as a, a non-American, you can never understand. You know, I would never make, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Yeah. Who does but, that? You know, but, yeah, but uh, some Japanese people do do that thing, you know. Um, they feel like separate but equal or, you know, they like to be thought of as being uh, unfathomable. You know, like uh, people can't figure them out. But when I figure them out, like sometimes Kaneko will say, how do you know that? What? You know, like, and it's like, you know, uh, Jesus, I've only been living here for 20 something years, you know. Give me a break. But how are like black people or like Middle Eastern people like how are they treated? I, you know, I don't really you know, I was actually this is funny you asked me. I don't was thinking the other day, you know, I don't really have black friends here, unfortunately. And I mean, not one way or the other. I mean, I'm not like I don't just get black friends so I can say I have black friends or I get gay friends so I can say, hey, look how how, you know, diverse I am. You know, I don't for that matter, I don't really even have a lot of white friends because there's not a lot of foreigners around, you know. So, um, I mean, I don't have a lot of foreign friends to begin with. So I don't think. I mean, it's weird. I think for Japanese, we're all the same. Yeah, really. They hate all of us equally. <laughs> but I would, I would say, basically, as a white guy, an American white guy, I'm what I call a preferred minority. 
if you can understand that. And I was actually a friend of my girlfriend as a French woman. We just went out the other night. Uh, she is living in Kyoto, and she, holy crap, I mean, this girl is so adorable. She's like 24. She teaches French at a university in, in Kyoto. Everybody loves her. her. Her Japanese is like flawless. And she just says all the prejudice that she has to deal with in Kyoto that she never had to deal with in Tokyo, like just an arrogance, you know, and they don't want you in their store, you know. And, 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 and the Japanese dismiss that by saying, well, Kyoto people are like that to Tokyo people anyway. But I'm like, no, you don't dismiss it, you know, because it's just racism. Yeah. You know, and it's like if anybody I mean, here's this French white girl, you know, who's completely cute, you know, and I say that to other like you're the most adorable woman in the, on the planet Earth. And I, who who you know what I mean? Who would you know, it's not like somebody completely, you know, you know, looks so different from you. You know, you know what I mean? Your skin color is basically the same skin color and stuff. You know, you, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it just blows my mind, especially as a New Yorker. You know, that was one of the things like my girlfriend really enjoyed New York because, man, it's like you can't survive in New York and be a racist because, you. I mean, of course you can be. But you would be out of your frigging mind because every day you would be so upset because you have to deal <laughs> right. with a full spectrum. Like when we got we took a cab to Penn Station and this guy was a Haitian guy. We got in the cab. He got on the phone and he talked on the phone in French all the way to the station. And Miyako's like, we're talking Japanese. She's like, is this normal? I said, you know, this isn't really normal. I think it's fucked up, but I don't know. I mean, the guy is not American guy. I mean, who the hell knows what normal is, really? Yeah. If you know what I mean. In, <laughs> in New York, you have to be forgiving. You know, you have to be tolerant. You know, it's like uh, next generation stuff. You've got to be like that because that's the way, um, you know, to me, that's what a city is. A city is a collection of different kinds of people, but Tokyo is really not like that. So you still, I, I, I you know, I, no one's ever like, that I can recall said like, why did he go home or anything like that to me? But um, you get racism in a much, you know, always, and I, I've probably written this on Facebook, but, uh, you know, Japanese are always, they're into their new thing is called soft soft power, soft nationalism. Mm -hmm. And I call it soft racism, you know? So it makes it very difficult to really know, like Japanese will say, oh, we're not, it's not sabetsu. Sabetsu is the word for racism. They have another word called kubetsu. So if you can hear it, sabetsu, kubetsu, they're they're very similar sounding. Kubetsu in English is like distinction. So making a distinction between two things and stating that would be like, saying Trump speaks his mind, if you understand what I'm saying. No, he's making a racist comment. I don't give a shit if it sounds, you know, like he's just saying the facts. He's not. He's saying he's making a racist statement, you know. And that to me is like, that's why I don't really tolerate that making a distinction. To me, it's the same thing as racism. It's just not like um, we're going to burn a cross in front of your house, you know, or lynch you or something like that. Sure, they're not doing that, 
but they're still being racist. Yeah. You know, I don't have to kill somebody. You know, that doesn't determine if I'm a racist or I'm not a racist. So, you know, you get this kind of um, racism in Japan. Like, uh, you can't rent apartments, certain apartments. Most won't rent to foreigners. Um, so you get, like, foreign-friendly places that rent only to foreigners. Huh. You know, and that's what Japanese will the Japanese will go, well, like, why would you want to rent some, from someone who wouldn't want to rent to you? You know, it's like that's like blaming the victim It's blaming the vic- victim. And, you know, why did you wear if you didn't want to be raped? Why did you wear that? Skirt? Right. Yeah. You know, and it's like that's not the point. You know, the point is not like whether I want. You know, want to rent from these people or I don't. The point is I'm being denied like if you saw that post I did about the Ginza shop, the camera shop. Yep. Yeah, I did that. You know, with that sign, that sign made me feel bad as a human being. You know, that sign was a, a racist sign. That that sign with its rules, protect the rules, like foreigners don't know the rules. There's nothing like that's written in Japanese. And then I mentioned that to my Japanese friends and they're like, well, it's probably really just for the Chinese. And I'm like... It's not any better. Did you just hear what you just said? <laughs> and it's like, I don't care. And it's in English anyway. And it's Ginza, which is like the like places overflowing with tourists. You know, that's a rude sign up there. But the Japanese will do it in this kind of polite, polite racism type of way. And, it, and it's annoying. And I don't tolerate it. You know, but on the other hand, of course, there's lots of really nice people here. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and sometimes I'm like, you know, I'm really glad I'm here. You know, sometimes the Japanese overdo it, like being like so attentive and stuff like that. But, you know, that annoys me also too much being like, are you OK, sir? Is everything to your liking? Yeah, fine. Just get out of my face. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, you know, I mean, and that's the thing that I feel when fans to bring it back when fans talk about the singular Japanese people, they're, they don't realize they're doing a disservice to the, um, the variety of people that you find in Japan, you know, because there is a variety of people. You know, there's different kinds of people in Japan. They're not all just, you know, we Japanese, you know. So, uh, I mean, that for them, when, when they say when they talk about the pain of Fukushima, I mean, it's like, uh, you know, as a New Yorker, let's talk about 9-11, you know, and sure, 9-11's annoying. Um, I don't dwell on it every single day. You know, I mean, I've been in the, the I had friends that died in, in, in 9-11, and I mean, I was in Japan, my brother volunteered. You know, my, my brother was stuffing body parts into bags volunteering at that thing. You know, oh, I'm annoyed wow. about that, that yeah. whole that whole thing. Um, but it's not like I don't want any like foreigner hugging the pain away from me. Like, give me a break, you know, and it doesn't define who I am. But it's like these foreigners are so desperate to show their affinity, you know, for the Japanese people. They overdo what they're say Shin Godzilla, what they're reading into Shin Godzilla, and they're totally not doing any service, in my opinion. And they're not doing any service to the Japanese people, you know, because they're not reading the film correctly. 
<laughs> no, <laughs> absolutely not. Have you, um, because uh, we talked about how, you know, you kind of have to watch what you say, or at least other people do. Have you felt that from yourself or, or you know, your peers as a, as a critic that, you know, you don't feel like you can say a certain thing? Well, you know, that's... The thing is, you know, it, you know, it's very different. Like, let's t- talk about movies, like domestic movies and international movies. International movies, you can attack all you want because it doesn't affect really. Well, maybe like say Toho is distributing the film, and if you write a bad review, people might not go see it, so then it'll hurt Toho. But when you talk about domestic films, it's like you know these people. You know, like I was telling one, I was on a Kaneko film years ago, and I learned a, a lesson. Um, I don't know if you know, uh, Kadena Reona, she's a, like a, a, a Gorabia model and stuff. And I went on to the set of Kaneko's left hand of God, right hand, whatever, a horror movie he directed. I mean, this is over 10 years ago. And when I'm on the set, it's like, I know that girl. It's like, oh my God. And I said to Shusuke, Shusuke, what's her name? Uh, Kadena Reon. And I'm like, holy shit, that girl is so hot. You know, Jesus Christ, you know, I was like, like, that's when I was a little more infatuated with idols and stuff. So when we rode home, we went home that night and me and her sat in the back of this van and we talked all the way home. And I said to her, yeah, I used to live in Osaka. Fuck Osaka. I hate that place. You know, this place, what a garbage city. I wasted nine years. You know, I was really hard. She goes, I'm from Osaka. And I just was like. Well, when I say I hate Osaka, what I really mean to say is, and I learned a lesson then, like, really, don't open your mouth. You know what I mean? Don't, like, volunteer negative information, because Japanese don't like it, Mm -hmm. you know, even if it's not personally. Usually, see, this is, like, a weird thing you have to learn about Japan. Like, if I say something bad about somebody, they'll think I'm actually the bad guy, because I'm saying something bad about somebody else who isn't in a position to defend themselves. So they'll feel now instantly feel sympathy for that person. And then they'll try to come up with all these excuses. Like a guy actually drunk on the street kicked me one day. I walked by the guy and he looked at me like he was drunk. He looked at me and he gave me this really weird look. And I said in English, Hey man, what's up? And he just fucking kicked me. And I was with two girls. We were coming back from a bar and I was walking them to the station. They said, what did you do to that guy? (laughs) <laughs> I was like, excuse me, that guy kicked me. <laughs> you know what I mean? I didn't attack that guy or hit that guy. But and like if I was in New York, my friends would be on this guy's ass. But here they want to know I had to do something. You know what I mean? So if I'm bad mouthing somebody, it's like, you know. You're actually now the bad guy. You know, if, if you can understand the, the kind of connection I'm trying to make, like the, the way of thinking is very different from back home. It, and that type of thinking annoys me. So really, you know, like you really have to be careful because whatever you say, anything you criticize is going to have could have a backlash to it, could have a negative side. And the Japanese are obsessed with that side of the, the argument rather than, well, I'm saying what's right they're more about right and wrong, man. It's all, you know, a point of view. They're like that. Do you think it's that under- that mentality is filtered into film criticism and that's why? Oh, totally, totally. No, I mean, uh, some of my buddies, like, in this 
thing. I mean, we laugh at Japanese critics because there's no real criticism in Japan. It's all just information pieces. Or they do these things, if you ever see in magazines, they do these polling charts. So they ask a whole bunch of people different questions. Like you see a movie or you go to a play, they have the thing called Anketo, which in English is like a poll. Yep, just polling. And you fill in the stuff and then they figure it out. They make these weird charts with like entertainment value, 70%. Um, romance thing, this this percentage. And this kind of general consent consensus of what to expect from this film, rather than like Roger Ebert saying, your movie sucks. You know, so, like, there's one guy, and I'm not going to name names, but, I mean, we have been, I, what are he? this guy, like, this guy blasted Shin Godzilla to me in private, and then he wrote the most glowing review you've ever seen, and I'm like, what? You know, like, whatever, just like me, I opted not to review it, because I had nothing good to say. Yeah. Actually, in my in the next issue of Egahiho is our best and worst of the year, and I didn't put any Japanese movies on my worst. But on my comment, I just wrote, I would put a Japanese movie on my list, but I don't because uh, the Japanese are too thin-skinned and cannot handle criticism. <laughs> you know, I wrote, like, all my things were, I attacked Japanese. Uh, what did I write? You have to pick, like, best actress. So I picked Better Girl from um, um, Deadpool. Okay. You know, it, because recently a, a famous actor in Japan just quit because he was about to be outed by his boyfriend. So it was like a big thing in Japan. I actually did just, see that story, yeah. Yeah, Narimiya. And I, I, I've worked with him. He starred in a Kaneko film. I mean, even Kaneko back then says the guy's totally gay. You know, but it's like, it's like, that's what I say. You can be gay if you're flamboyant, but if you're gay and try to be a normal guy, you know, it's, it's a crime against humanity. But um, um, wait, remind me again what we're talking about because my brain is wandering. <laughs> we were talking about, uh, I guess, uh, film criticism. and Oh, yeah, okay. So I wrote, you know, this actress, um, she's gay in real life. And guess what? In America, nobody gives a shit. <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, so all of my things were like this on the next issue was all like criticizing with, but without directly criticizing. Yeah. And that's another thing. Like in Japan, you if you want to do criticism, you have to do it in the most indirect way. So people will be able to realize it. Like my girlfriend's always, because she's a fantastic writer, uh, manga artist, kind of celebrated manga artist. But she's always, you can't say it this way. It's too direct. It's too direct. You know, it'll have more impact to the Japanese psyche if it's presented in this way. Um, but actually I have to tell you this. So for my top 10 movies of the year, and this year was particularly difficult to come up with. What and was, I your, usually, what was oh, your number one? I got oh, to <laughs> conjuring two. I actually jungle book was probably my favorite. Cause I don't see a lot of new movies to be yeah. honest, yeah. but I really, I didn't want, I don't want jungle book to be my number one movie, even <laughs> though I really liked it. Like it, it can't be, I'm Norman England, you know, <laughs> I like weird movies. Like when I worked on scanner last year, the executive producer at Toei, we were talking on the set one day and I said, Oh, I write for Ega Hiho. He's like, I love your magazine. You do. What do you write? I said, I do this grindhouse USA. And he goes, you mean you're the guy who writes about all those weird movies? <laughs> 
uh, yeah, I guess that's me. So I have my reputation to, to keep, you know, but, um, but all I did, usually I write underneath it because we get about 150 people write their top 10 movies and stuff. And, and Hiho, the good thing about Hiho is because of Yoshiki and Tanobe, my other editor and Iwata, another editor, they all want honest opinions. So our magazine is famous for having like brutal reviews, even of domestic stuff. We're the only ones that, that do that in Japan. And that's really Yoshiki's personality. I mean, Yoshiki's like, Yoshiki's like, fuck Japan. That's his attitude. <laughs> you know, fuck this fucking draconian culture. And, you know, I mean, really, I mean, you never saw a guy. He's the guy that hates Shin Godzilla more than me. Um, I mean, but Yoshiki's really like vocal. In his opinion, he wants the magazine to be the same way. So, but usually on the, so I always write like my top 10 and then I write longer than like every other contributor. Like I write like five paragraphs of why I like these, these films this year. All I wrote was fuck 2016. <laughs> and I told Yoshiki to put it in English, you know, like, and I, it was always a dream of mine to do a two word review um, via, um, this is spinal, spinal tap. tap, yeah. shit sandwich, you know, so I did mine. Fuck 2016, you know, because no, I, this year I thought was a very uneven year for, for, for film. I mean, there were some good movies, but with the superhero genre is winding down, nothing's replacing it. But in any case, um, yeah, so this year was not my best year. I saw Godzilla destroyed. I saw uh, Star Trek destroyed. Uh, and I saw the presidency destroyed. And so we're really not doing so good. But I want to say, oh, I wrote. Huh? I was just going to say, every celebrity we knew died. Well, I, I don't. Because look, it's going to be like that from here on out. You know, I all know. The, oh, all yeah. 70 people are dying. You know, and the only difference, like when I was a kid, my, my parents would be, oh, look, my, my, uh, my mom's name is Barbara. So my dad would be in the paper. Oh, Barb, look who died. And I'm like, who the hell is that? You know, some 30s and 40s actors. Like, who gives a crap? You know, and the <laughs> difference is back then, I didn't have access to the, that era. Like people, younger people have access to the era of the 70s and 80s today. So these people can still, their works are still like vibrant to them. You know, plus the the style difference between, say, the 1930s and 1940s was very different from the style like when I was a kid in the 60s and 70s, you know, style. And now today you can look at 80s movies and they they don't seem as old. If you understand what I'm saying, like when I in the 60s, when I looked at a universal horror movie, it was a big difference. But when I look like from the eighties to today, it's not that big of a difference, you know, rock music, you know, styles are a little different, but it's still not, I don't think the gap is not as big as it, as it had been, you know, the styles are developing and people are relaxing and stuff like that. So the celebrity stuff, um, is going to have a bigger impact. I mean, these people are going to start, you know, Plus, anyway, modern celebrities, who gives a crap? <laughs> you know, really? I mean, people that are, say, in their 20s today, I mean, unless I'm wrong, and I probably am, but, I mean, I don't really see any, like, real superstars in any any capacity. 
Yeah. You know, everything's still dominated by my generation. So, uh, which I don't think is a good thing. You know, I, I feel disappointed and maybe it is my generation's fault because we're the ones attached to the shit that our parents made, not the stuff that we made. So it's really my generation is responsible for the mess. If you can <laughs> understand what I'm saying, because we're the ones who are supposed to make something that the next generation is supposed to be attached to. Well, we haven't really done them a service. So that's why we get a lot of like fan directors or J.J. Yeah. Abrams, yeah. you know. Yeah. You know, screw J.J. Abrams. You know, I hate his movies. You know, and I and I, I said before, like, I can respect, actually, J.J. Abrams does have, he does know what he's doing. You know, I just don't really like what he's doing. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't like the things that he does. And he's maybe, he's probably more in touch with um, current sensibility than I am, which is why I'm, no one's hired me to be star wars uh director or star trek director but I, g- going back w- about reviews i wrote this scathing review of beyond for my magazine and people were on like one guy on twitter wrote norman's crying i can feel him crying oh poor little norman he's crying like how much i hated beyond as a star trek fan so some and these are like simon Pegg fans because i really attack simon Pegg in my piece and i think one of the things i wrote i said if you're if the what, criteria of becoming, getting the job of writing a script for Star Trek is by just being a fan, well, I want to know why the hell no one's given me the job to write the script <laughs> for a Star Trek movie, you know? If that's the only requirement, you know? And, like, I mean, that whole script was completely garbage, in my, in my opinion. I mean, some people liked it, but, I mean, I really... You know, I thought it was so un-Star Trek-like, like those dumb visual humor with the big aliens. Oh, they're actually only, like, knee-high. Oh, oh, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> uh, and then later, they're, like, pets. And I, that was another thing I wrote in my review. It's like, you know, they, they threw in all these little references, you know what I mean, fan service references. But the one thing they forgot to reference was Star Trek's... Um, philosophy of all life is precious and everybody is equal and here they have these sentient creatures that they're treating like pets <laughs> which is so un star trek like they remember all this garbage you know surface crap and they they forget to include the basic philosophy of star trek you know that's why for me that like going to this the trek convention over the summer and i did a big piece for uh, my publication on that but, you know, Trek fans are like, I mean, they're really nice people. I mean, no one, I don't see anyone. I told people, fuck Beyond. And they're like, oh, I liked it. They didn't care. <laughs> they don't take it personally. And, you know, and, and then, okay, we don't, want, we don't have to talk about that. Let's talk about what we do like. And then talking to people about the philosophy of Star Trek. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is so different from Godzilla. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. You yeah. Uh, yeah. You know? And... I mean, that's like Ed Godzicheski. I mean, he's one of my best friends, if not my best friend. I mean, Ed, we don't talk about Godzilla a lot, but when we do, we always just talk about what we like, you know, and we talk about the miniatures and we talk about this or that, you know, and, and got a lot of Godzilla movies are like my edgy on the edge of being like, 
you know, I can understand when people don't like it, you know, but right. like I said, you know, I like the miniature stuff. I like watching it. It's fun, you know, and, and sometimes when he's over, we've recently started because we've never watched movies together, Godzilla movies. So what did we do? We watched the, he, he brought me the King Kong Escapes Blu-ray. Man, I love that movie. Oh, it's, it's great. great. You know, and I love that movie. It's like the snake in the water. <laughs> and the way the water ripples around it with that kind of shallow focus, slightly slow motion, you know, high speed, it's just wonderful. And that airboat thing skimming over the surface of it. I mean, it's all beautiful, you know, in this kind of indescribable way, you know, and it's, it's like, yeah, me and Ed sharing that. Or actually the day, and I can't mention names, but we had gone to a collector's house and he's got the King Kong escapes head, the one with a really goofy lip that sort of curls up Yeah, that <laughs> playing with a head that day. And then we came home that night, we watched the film. We were like freezing. It's like, ah, we were just with that head today. That's freaking so, awesome. You know, so that's, so, I mean, that's it. Like with Ed, I mean, my, me and Ed, we're in agreement on Shin Godzilla and we're in agreement on final wars. Um, you know, but, and sure, we enjoy, you know, ranking on it and stuff. But, you know, I prefer to talk about the stuff that I like with him. Yeah. You know, about it. And that's what I, I felt with Star Trek fans. That's why I'm, I'm getting really, I'm actually right, I'm working on a Star Trek book right now for the Japanese market. I just got the green light on that. So um, me and Yoshiki are doing that together. I mean, it won't be any, like, groundbreaking stuff for the, the American market, but, I mean, the Japanese need to know, you know, Star Trek should be bigger in Japan than it is. And actually, Netflix here has now put up everything on Star Trek, all the, all the series, even nice. the anime series, all up, because they're getting ready. They're going to carry Discovery. Okay. So for me, it's good because it's like opening up the market for Star Trek. You know, now I can start doing more Star Trek stuff, you know, and, and try to get out of the, the, the Godzilla, the Kaiju stuff. I mean, like I was going to say before, I mean, people do in Japan make they do sometimes make fun of me and I don't really care. Like I had a guy I was at a convention and I was selling some of my movies at a super fest and this guy came up to me and he goes, ah, Norman England, I just want to tell you. I'm a Tezuka guy. And I'm like, and you see, I don't know if you're aware of this, but like in Japan, it's like, what defines Godzilla? There's two camps. And now I'm ignoring Ano, But it's, it's come down to, are you a Kaneko guy or are you a Tezuka guy? And the Tezuka fans are the ones that like Mecha, the ones that like, you know, the less Gamera-esque kind of philosophical, deeper story things. The ones that like the you know, the hardware side of Godzilla and every, and people who know me here, they know that I'm, you know, that I am friends with Kaneko. So they think that I'm like a Kaneko guy, you know, and I have to remind them, you know, I've been on the set of three Tezuka Godzilla movies. I'm an act, well, not an actor. I appear in uh, a Tezuka movie, you know, I don't, I mean, I prefer Kaneko's movie, but I don't hate the Tezuka movies. Maybe Mega Gidos is a little difficult for me to watch. <laughs> that one's pretty low on my list, too. So it's okay. But, um, but you, you understand what I'm saying? But, I, like, this guy, like, why would you say such an asshole thing to me? Like, you, like, I'm a Tezuka guy. Like, you know, 
You can't you be know, both, God forbid. We're not friends. And I said to him, yeah, I said that. Why can't – look, I like both of them. Here, you're, here, there's a similar attitude now with the the legendary movie and Shin Godzilla. It's like it's got to be one or the other. You you can't possibly like them both. Who that would be insane. Boy, that's lame. <laughs> um, I I have, uh, I mean, the, the U.S. Godzilla movies are completely off the radar here. You know, I mean, no one like I go to kaiju things. I don't go to a lot of them, events and stuff. Um, but I don't. A lot of people don't really talk about it, though. I think it. They don't hate the new one, if you know what I mean. Like, uh, like I don't know if you know Ozawa Ryoko. I should say them in the U.S. way. Ryoko Ozawa. She is in charge of Yosensha, the kaiju um, stuff. So all the, like you know the 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 mook that came out that had all the Toho women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. Then they, with the Mothra one, I did a piece in the Mothra one. She's like this. Compl- I don't want to say nut. I mean, she's crazy about kaiju. It's like she's one of the the few like really like kaiju nutty crazy women. Like um, Kaida Aya, if you know Aya, Kaida Yuji's wife. She's another like complete kaiju maniac. I, I love Ka- Aya a lot. She's she's a lot. We went to. Me and Miyako and Yuji and Aya and a couple other people, we went to um, Gunkanjima together. Did you ever, I don't know if we were friends at that time. We went to Gunkan, you know Gunkanjima, right? They shot some of um, Attack on Titan there. It's like that island off of uh, Nagasaki okay. over in that area where the, it was like an industrial thing. And I think it's now like a UN thingy and stuff. And it's, it's really awesome. And it was this place like on an island, a factory, and people live there, like tens of thousands of people, and they just, like, abandon it overnight. So it's, like, frozen in time, just deteriorating. Um, you can see it in the first Attack of Titan stuff. If I got, like, permission, you have to be really careful over there. We had this, um, Aya arranged this tour. We could go in the buildings, which you can't normally do, and on the rooftops and stuff. It was really great. And then the next day, we took a boat an hour to get to the small mining island. Um, and it's, again, it's another abandoned mine. And we went down into the mine. I have one of my profile photos of me and my mine miners outfit and stuff. But when we were there, they were they had like so we go through this little thing about what it was like to be a miner and stuff, and you know you're so far from the mainland, and we they would movies they would uh, boat in movies and show them, and they had movie posters on the wall, original movie posters, and one of them is an original poster of Son of Godzilla, <laughs> and I'm looking at this poster going, holy shit! If you look at it somewhere. In- my Facebook, it's buried in there, but I took a photo of it. I have like a circle and arrows pointed. God damn it. What the hell is this thing doing here? And, and I, I said to Miyaka, I've got to, I'm going to steal this. Thing. You know, we're, we're, we're in a place. We will never come back to this place. This is a son of God. You know how expensive this poster is, you know? And then when we were at like Nakano and we saw one, it was like $2,000. She's like, why didn't you steal it? <laughs> you know? So that was kind of funny, but, um, no, I mean going all the way nowhere and finding an original Son of Godzilla wall, a poster tacked to the wall, you know? That's great. So th- this stuff's out there, you know? <laughs> I just got to find it. But um, anyway, they're, we're going back to the thing. There's not a lot of women in, in Kaiju, though that has changed a bit, especially with a new film, Shin Godzilla. 
I think has attracted new fans. But um, uh, Ozawa at my publishing company, she, like I saw her on the opening, you know, the, the first 3D screening. I went to the first 3D screening of, uh, that's where everybody, all the Godzilla staffers were at the Yurakucho Theater, you know, where they, the big Toho Theater there, which is, I guess now the new big one is in, with a Godzilla head on it in Shinjuku. But um, uh, she was like, I love this movie. It's the third time I've seen it. She went to all like the, the really early previews, like the 2D previews of that. I was like, really? Okay. I mean, I didn't hate it. I liked it more the second time. My, my girlfriend wanted to see it, so we went and she, she liked it. And it was, it was better the second time around, but I don't have really planned to watch it a third time. What, the 2015 it's, one? Or 2014? 2014, right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. I mean, it was okay, you know. Um, I mean, I don't want to get into a discussion on that film. Yeah, no, we don't need to. But I'm saying, like, there are, you know, what I'm trying to say is that Japanese didn't really hate the movie. Yeah, it wasn't like 1998. Yeah, that was, the 98 one was like, uh, people were just, they were mystified by that. Because it wasn't a good movie. I mean, if, even if it had, if let's say it was the same Godzilla design, everything was the same, but it was as good as, say, Independence Day, I think people would have been happy. And I think that's the reason that they were happy, too, with the new one. It was successful. Yeah. And they could then reclaim Godzilla and say, hey, we've always loved Godzilla. And like me and Ed, you should see the, the look on our face like, oh, really? <laughs> because, you know, me and Ed, we're always, we get together, we always try to find some goofy Godzilla thing to do when he's in town, because he's in Japan like three times a year and stuff on business. Um, he'll be here next month. I'm looking forward to that. But, you know, it's like, it's been so dry recently. Yeah. You know, the past since like final, the failure of Final Wars, you know, there really hasn't been Godzilla stuff. You know, and you go to these events and it's always the same fans. It's the same aging, um, like, group. We're just, like, sliding through time, all aging <laughs> together. You know, it's always the same people. That's why I don't go to a lot of events because it's all these, the same guys. And they're not bad guys. There's a couple guys that I actually really like. Um, but you don't necessarily find a lot of younger people. You know, they're usually kaiju people are all now in their 50s and 60s. Yeah. The, the majority of them in Japan. But I guess maybe Shin Godzilla. I mean, who knows what kind of effect that's going to have on Godzilla or the upcoming anime. I mean, I don't know. I think the, I just want, how the anime does I, I, is really going to... Yeah. Well, you know, the thing I will say about it is it's it's science fiction. Yeah. You know, so and I'm really happy about Good. that, you know, that that, yeah, it's science fiction. It's not political. It's fun. You know, and that's what I that's all I really want is like, you know, is it fun? Can you answer? Can, you know, to me, usually it's like I watch a film. Yeah, let's say even like last night we're watching Dr. Butcher and we're, we're watching uh, Night of the Zombies. It's like the movies are just fun. Mm-hmm. You know, they might be they're bad movies, but they still have this kind of, you know, fun quality about them, you know, and we had a good time. I and mean, we like it's 3 a.m. We're watching this. We're all drunk off of the Honey Jack Daniels and we're just 
tears are rolling down our eyes, like the next inexplicable shot, you know, like, right. what the hell? Or in like <laughs> Night of the Zombies, there's this great thing. I was like, I was going to, sh- I was going to, I, guys, I got to show you this one shot in the film. But even before I got it, it just came up naturally. Everyone was hysterical. A guy's in a, in a TV studio talking and behind him on the wall is this ridiculous cat poster. This extreme close-up of a cat's face just glaring at you. It's like, what director <laughs> in his right mind? I mean, you would say, please remove that cat poster while we do this shot. You know, like a blank wall. Because it just draws your attention to like, you know, and it's just like, oh, my God, this is just great. I love this. That's amazing. You know, like, it's just beyond the pale, if you know what I mean. You know, like. Oh man, it's just so so much fun, you know. We had like the greatest time, you know. Just you know what I mean. And and when it's fun, you know, and that's like like Shin Godzilla for me just wasn't fun. No, I don't know, know how anyone could say it was. And even like then uh, then you could argue the point. Well, then what about uh, Final Wars? Wasn't that fun because it had fun elements? And it's like, but that's the thing. It was a drag because it was it was lazy. You know, I mean, it was like when they said, like, uh, we escape somehow, <laughs> you know, I like, <laughs> I mean, even if they had just like, hey, look, I didn't notice this air duct over here before. Let's crawl down through there. At least that's fun. You know what I mean? Something. But just it was just lazy all around. If you, if you know what I mean, you know, and it wasn't really like. We're going to just throw in guys jumping around. And I mean, uh, Attack on Titan was the same thing. Like, oh, oh, we'll just have a guy. We'll just interrupt thing with a guy, you know, slashing his samurai sword through the air for, what, 25 minutes. Or, if you, you know, the scene I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah it's really terrible. It didn't even make internal sense. Like, we've just been training. We're the... We're the best people. We've been training. This is our whole existence is geared for fighting these creatures. And when we come face to face with them, it's like, what do we do? Like, are you what? I'm out of here. You know, I'm out of here. You know, I mean, that's not even like, like what? You, you know, you know what I'm talking about. And these are my frigging friends are in these movies, and I feel bad. I was on the set. You know, that Satomi girl. I talked to her on the 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 set because she saw me and she's like oh i can speak english so i'm going to speak to this guy she came up to me and she said um are you lost so i went on to the live action set because i was over watching them if you notice there's that little dwarf and i shouldn't say the little person girl one of the titan girls she like those days she was there i was there and i walked over to say hi to higuchi and i walked in and then the Ishihara girl was there, and she's like, oh, hello, are you lost? And I was like, me? Lost? I don't know, am I lost? And then this guy, Yuta, who's one of the effects guy, he's like, Norman, what the hell are you doing here? And I'm like, I'm here. You know what I mean? Like, whatever, I'm here. So that was like, I mean, my, the extent of my interaction with her. So he's like, and she's like, you know this guy? And he's like, yeah, this is Norman. <laughs> and he's actually a Nishimura guy, this guy Yuta. He's a great artist, real, like, how can I say, nonconformist punk artist guy. Like, I was at Nishimura's place, and he had, he was doing something, 
and he set off the fire alarm and the fire department came like making shit and somehow it set off the fire alarm and the fire department came and they came in and they looked at Nishimura's studio and they're like, this is a fire hazard. And Yuta is just like, he's like one of these like fuck authority guys, which you do find in Japan, even though they don't like to say that they do have, they have people like that. And those are the people you find in the movie business here. He's just sitting there with his arms folded and he's working with like flammable shit. And he's got a cigarette burning in an ashtray. And the fire department chief is like, what is this? You should not be smoking in an environment like this. And he's just like, <laughs> like, fuck the principal. Like, I'm back in school. You know, like he's been his ass has been hauled down. No, I, I love you. He's, he's a wonderful artist. He did all the helmets and stuff in Zaboga. Yeah, he worked on Titan, you know, Attack on Titan and stuff. So. And then I walked in and I said hi to Higuchi and uh, Junko, the continuity woman, because she's always works with Higuchi and stuff. And I did not zip my pants down. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, no, that, and then, oh, that, oh, did I ever tell you, my, I went to the rap party um, for Attack on Titan and I went up to, he, to Higuchi and I'm like, Higuchi, s- s- did I tell you this story? Uh, you might have. I think I, I said to him, I, I said like uh, subtitles. I want to do the subtitles. He's like Norman. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't use you as an actor. You were the guy, the first actor in any of my movies was <laughs> you. I'm like I don't care. I don't care. I don't want to be in the movie. Subtitle job. Norman, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, why didn't I use you? And I'm like, no, no, no. I don't care about that. Subtitle job. I want the subtitle job. No. And I was like, we're both drunk. And I said, you know, we should probably just stop talking to each other right now. <laughs> so that was kind of fun. No, Iguchi's a, a, a fun guy. I, I like him. You know, I mean, I... I think his design work is better than his direct directorial oh yeah stuff without but, without I mean, question yeah he's not i mean like it's another thing i mean i don't like his film style but i respect his work yeah if, if you know what i mean you know uh and i understand like the struggle that he's going through because when i say the first time i interviewed him for fangoria and then i went out with him a couple times just to do, I did two pieces. I did the Gamma Three thing, and then I did a profile piece in Fangoria on him. And then Sagaya and me and him, we all went out together, and we had a great time. But one of the things he talked about, like his thing, is to find his style, to find his visual style, you know. And he's like, anyone, you can look at a Tsuburaya film, and you know it's Tsuburaya. You know, I want that. I want that. And I know he's he's struggling. That's his hybrid effect stuff. I mean, he's struggling to come up with his own his own look so people will recognize it as a Higuchi thing, you know, but there's too much reliance, in my opinion, on the computer. Yeah, I agree. And that's why the Shin Godzilla. I mean, that was one of the things I think it's on my documentary on Oyagi said. You know, I mean, everyone today, everyone around the world, they're using Maya. They're using the same um, CG programs other than, say, stuff like Pixar. They have their own, um, you know, they also they make their own uh, original uh, CG programs, whatever you call it. But, you know, the Japanese don't have that kind of resources. So they're just buying off the, sh- the shelf 
CG stuff. So of course they're not going to look, they're going to look like everybody else's CG, the same, you know, smoke effects, the same, whatever, you know, and it's really unfortunate, you know, that's the thing. And, and that's why, again, with the fans, you know, by embracing this technology, they don't know the disservice that they're doing to the, the genre, you know, and sorry for saying it. I mean, they'll probably, some people will probably hate me for saying that because it's, you know, destroying their, uh, their view of, of wonderful Japan or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, I should try to wrap this up. I think my girlfriend's going to kill me and I haven't eaten my lunch or anything. It's dark out now. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it, it's getting late there and it's getting Plus early we, here. We could do, uh, uh, you could edit this down and do it however you want. And if you want to do it again, I mean, I enjoy talking to you know both you guys. I respect both your opinions. I, I like your um, podcast. I don't always agree, but the thing that I like about um, the two of you is you can you can explain why you like something or why you dislike something. You yeah. know, yeah. and that's the same way. I don't have to agree with you, but if you can logically explain, or even in an illogical way, like it's the same thing, like Howard the Duck. I mean, Jesus, you know, Howard the <laughs> Duck. But I still love the film, and I can I, I can yeah I can say why I like Howard the Duck. You know, like various different reasons, but um, I, I still don't think that that necessarily because I like the film, it makes it a good movie. Right. Yeah. If, if you know what I mean. So I'm always OK. I mean, unless it's some extreme, like racist point of view, I'm OK <laughs> with anybody who can explain why they feel some way about something. But that whole thing that's coming up now, people are beginning to realize that it's like you have to re respect my opinion. You know, I said that earlier, you know, I don't have to respect your ignorant opinion because you're, you're not doing anything other than just saying, I like it. Or they right, have a word yeah. in Japanese, they, in Japanese they say, nantunaku, and that I just, it's like, why do you like something? I just like it. Like when I used to teach English to kids, I'd be like, do you like apples or oranges? And they're like, I like oranges. Why do you like oranges? Just because I do. And I was like, unacceptable. <laughs> no, even if you just say, I like it because it tastes good. If you understand, you're actually giving a reason why you like it, not just like, I just like it. Yeah. You know, and, and people write like, I don't know why, I just like it. I mean, for me, sure, whatever, you could say that about something, you know, a milkshake. Oh, I don't know, I just like chocolate. Okay, fine. Um, but no, I, I, that's why I like listening to your guys' podcasts because... Um, you know, the opinions are there, they're solid and they're fun. And that's why, you know, I'd like to do more interactive talking, but I, I tend to dominate conversations. Sorry. <laughs> that's all right. Um, but no, I thank you for the kind words. Um, uh, but no, I mean, yeah, if I, I would definitely welcome you back anytime, uh, as long as we can figure out the scheduling and the time difference and everything for sure. Right, right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, and, and like in this too, if you listen to it and you feel like, oh, it needed something or we missed something or whatever. I mean, I, I just got to get through two subtitled jobs that are both due Thursday and Friday. Awful movies. <laughs> um, but I accept that, you know, I just got to get through these two and then I'm a little better. I have to start working on these books as the pressure's on. 
Yeah. And I got another one. I got like three coming out this year. Star Trek, Godzilla, uh, my 42nd Street book, which is really a compilation of all my articles, and then possibly one on 50s science fiction, which I'm trying to get going so that hopefully I could get four. Right, 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 right. No, and I want to do a Planet of the Apes book. Okay. Do you like the new Apes films at all? You know, I don't like them, but I don't hate them. Okay, they're just kind of there. I, I just say, my, own, my answer is, I miss the makeup. Okay. If, if you, you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm, not a, I'm not into CG. I don't really like CG, and mm-hmm. I don't like that actor in the first one. What's his name? James uh, Franco. Franco. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of his. Um, so I preferred the second one. I, I think the second one's a better movie anyway. Yeah, and I don't really, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they're they're very well made. I mean, both of them are very well made, and I've seen them both twice, and I could watch them again, you know. But, I mean, I think the downfall of humanity, I preferred it how it was in the original. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a big fan of the novel Monkey Planet. You know, I love I love that, you know, and all the Planet of the Apes movies, man. You know, I've seen them since 1968 in the movie theater. I mean, Planet of the Apes, I did a big piece for my magazine. I mean, that was like Star Wars. That is the thing that laid down the blueprint for Star Wars. People yeah. talk about Lucas being a genius. I mean, he just picked up with uh, Arthur P. Jacobs had done with Planet of the Apes. I mean, people seem to forget as soon as Star Wars came out, all the Planet of the Apes stuff was gone. But I mean, we had dolls, we had, you know, tree houses, you know, like those things and board games and puzzles and garbage cans and, and cups and things, you know, napkins with Planet of the Apes characters on them. And I was, you know, crazy for all that stuff. I, I bought all that stuff. The Mego stuff was all great the astronaut, yeah. the one figure I never had, you know, but I mean, <laughs> you know, and, and with that uh, 2001 music on the Mego commercials with the kids, you ever see those go on YouTube? They're wonderful. <laughs> All that stuff. And it was so great. And then Star Wars was like, Lucas is a marketing genius. Like, hello. yeah, he is, you know, he, he got lucky, but it wasn't anything like he didn't break new ground. Yeah. I was kind of the apes did that, you know, and uh, I, I love that series and it. And it was great. It was fun. It required your imagination, you know, because of the makeup wasn't like, you know, real, real looking, you know, no. And, and the, the, the music was great. Jerry Goldsmith's music, even beneath the Planet of the Apes, the music was really good on that. And Escape from the Planet of the Apes, the, the I love the, the, the music in that. That's also Jerry Goldsmith, you know, the welcome gentleman to the United States of doom, doom. <laughs> you know that was like seeing that what was that 70 68 70 71 72 I, I can't remember which seeing that in the theater was like that was like you know now you can look oh that's the 70s you know so it's such a 70s sound yeah. But back then it was like, this is happening, you know, this is like now, you know, and there was like a real now feeling to the, the look of the movie, 
and to the soundtrack. I mean, the movie, unfortunately, there's only three apes in the whole movie, which is... That one's great, though. That's one of my favorite ones. No, no, and, it, and it's good. You know, the, the story's interesting, and there's the, the, the time slip, you know. Yeah. The painter painting the painting of the painter painting the painting. If you, if you know the scene where I'm talking about, they yeah. keep on stepping back in time. No, I mean, all of that stuff was... It played with your imagination. So it was really... No, it was good. And Conquest was was good. Conquest, though, um, I felt bad for the humans. <laughs> Conquest, you know, and is I always awesome. want to root for the apes. I want always want to root for the apes, but I felt kind of like bad for the humans. But battle was like you really were like screw the humans on battle. <laughs> so battle was uh, battle was good though. The makeup was not as it was too plasticky. Oh yeah. You could tell the budget was getting low. Yeah, but all of those. No, I want to do a, an apes movie, but I haven't been able to sell any publishers on it yet. Ugh. I mean, I want to do an apes book, and I also want to do another zombie book. So I've got a lot of things I want to do. Um, so anyway, but uh, no, I'm always up to just, chatting we've been on for five hours my girlfriend's been <laughs> my, almost, almost, almost six now oh jesus i'm sorry guys it's, it's almost six over there uh it's no, almost four almost, but um we've been on here hours. the the call has been almost six hours yeah that's what it's, that was six that's what you meant six okay mm-hmm. so yeah the time changes like at least it's not like the old days where this would be like three bucks a minute Oh yeah, you know we'd all be. They would bring back debtors' prison just for us. Oh yeah, (laughs) you'd get flashbacks to those Howard that Howard the Duck bill. Oh man, no. Well, anyway, um, let me just say this then. Uh, Thanks, guys, for having me here. It was really fun talking to you, and I I wish there were so many more topics that we could get on, but maybe another time. Oh, there's so much we could talk about <laughs> uh if you could uh have me back on i'd be happy i probably will not be able to remember anything that i said so and i don't want to be one of those old guys that just keeps on repeating the same <laughs> stories over and over but i really have i mean that's the thing i just want to say i mean i um about like working in the japanese movie business and being on the godzilla set as much as i have been i mean there's just a lot of stuff to tell you know there's a lot of things that one of my motivations is that sure there's like the godzilla history and there's the kaiju history and people know names like you know tsuburaya kaneko honda and all those people are you know important people in the stuff but there's also uh what i also call the the proletariat of the set you know the regular workers and there's a lot of there's a lot of people that uh, people just don't know, you know, the efforts of of these people there. And I, of course, I wasn't involved in the old days and stuff. But some of those old timers were still over, like I had mentioned earlier, Nako, the still cameraman. I mean, one of my friends from Osaka came in and I brought him to the Godzilla set and meeting Nako. I think he was the most impressed, like you're the guy that shot all those War of the Gargantua shots, you know, all the ones with them holding crap up, you know, in the yeah, air and yeah. fighting and stuff like that. I mean, Nako did all of those. 
And it was like, and here he is, just this guy. We're just all sitting, the three of us talking on the in Studio Nine and stuff. And people don't know his name. You know, people don't know. They just know the photos. They know mm-hmm. his work. They don't know all these people. So that's kind of like when I started to go to the Godzilla sets, I was like, oh, you know, I want to immerse myself and I want to see the the point of view from these people. So, um, and, and what's it like to be these these people? You know, I don't want to say the unsung heroes of Godzilla, but, yeah. you know, no, I mean, it was a lot of fun. And I mean, I, and I have a lot more stories about, you know, different days or even looking in the new uh, Mechagodzilla book, you know, like, if you if you look on a uh, mat, you have the book, but one of the pages. Oh, it's got um, uh, Jesus. What's his name coming? He's directing um, uh, Ultraman now. Taguchi. Uh, Taguchi? I, yeah, Taguchi. Yeah. I got this great shot. See, Taguchi, when I met him, he was a fourth AD on Kamiya set on GMK. And then the next year they put him in the art department. Like, why did they put you in the art department? He said, I don't know. They just said work in the art department. So um, I have this great shot of him. He's got a beard on and he's just working on a, a miniature house. And I just like I was just sitting next to him talking. And I was like, oh, this is cool. I'm going to take a photo of this. And now you know, I'm happy it's in the book. But I mean, like all these types of guys, you know, they're all. Like, say, with Taguchi, it really, you don't get paid a lot to work on Godzilla. And sometimes I would buy sushi at the nearby convenience store, and I would come back, and there's always, like, a couple pieces I don't eat, you know, really slimy stuff. And Taguchi was always, like, the guy who would eat my sushi before I threw it out. And he was like, Are you, you're going to let me have the leftovers, right? <laughs> so... You know, and now he's like the the kaiju savior director, you know, which is great, you know. But, I mean, he started out at the bottom and stuff like that. And I'm really happy I could be there, you know. Yeah, that is like pretty he, awesome. He, he put me in the first episode of the new Ultraman thing. You can't even see me, though. It was ridiculous. I was just, I'm like, don't shoot my bald spot. Whatever you do, don't shoot my bald <laughs> spot. Are you talking about uh, Ultraman X or Ultraman Orb? Well, I guess the, the X one, whatever the first episode and then finally came on. It was like, I was over at Nikatsu for six hours and they could have just used anybody. Okay, <laughs> fine, whatever. Cause he asked me, he called me up. He's like, can you bring some foreigners? We don't have the budget to hire professional foreigners. So I said, okay, fine. I got a bunch of friends. Yeah, we had a great time. It was a lot of fun. I mean, he's a good guy. Uh, he should give me more work. I don't like him more. <laughs> Okay, anyway, um, yeah, so that type of thing. So anytime I have time and you guys feel like you want to deal with the Norman show, you know, give me a, you know, give me a buzz and we'll talk on on email. All right. Well, yeah, again, it's been an absolute pleasure. And yeah, I I, will definitely have you on again. Uh, We're all busy, but we'll we'll figure something out. Yeah, I forgot that, too. You guys have lives as well. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So anyway, no, good luck with that and stuff. No, and I'm glad to be both of your friends and stuff. You know, I mean, anytime. All right. Thanks a lot, Norman. And um, okay. And uh, yeah, uh, go and uh, see if your girlfriend wants to scream at you and finish your meal and uh, enjoy the rest of your day, man. Yeah, which is like almost over. I think it's 
Jesus, it's almost 6 p.m. So, <laughs> but I, 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 the day was ruined because I was so hungover anyway. I mean, I mean, if I didn't do this, I would have probably just been lying in bed until like three or four <laughs> anyway. So that's why I was like, oh, okay, this actually worked out in a way, <laughs> though my voice is a little weird, I think, especially in the beginning. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, anyway, let me go and you guys go to bed and stuff and, uh, I'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right. Thanks. Right, Norman. Thanks, Norman. See you. Okay. <laughs> See thank ya. you very much. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye.